0: You're listening to the Tool Station Western League Podcast with Ian Knockholds and Tom Hiscott.
1: Welcome listeners to episode five of the Toolstation Western League Podcast with me, Ian Knockholds. And as always, I'm delighted to welcome on the line on this bank holiday weekend. It's Tom Hiscott, of course, author of the bulletin and the Western League column in the non-league paper. Uh, hello, Tom. How are you?
2: Morning, India. Doing very well, thanks.
1: Yourself? Yeah, not bad. Have you enjoyed a nice bank holiday weekend? The sun has certainly been shining on us. It
2: has, yeah. Very tired at the moment. Stayed up to watch the uh, the so-called boxing the other night. But, yeah, pretty busy weekend. Yourself?
1: Um, Well, I've had a a wonderful family weekend, Mm -hmm. uh, which is, of course, code for I haven't been able to go and watch any football. (laughs) Um, but the weather has been glorious. Um, I had a very enjoyable trip to Laycock yesterday with my family. We had a very nice um, picnic, which was all very, very uh-huh. pleasant indeed. So I can, I, can thoroughly, uh, I can thoroughly endorse the National Trust properties as a wonderful place. Um, uh, to to spend a, a sunny, glorious British bank holiday weekend, but um, we've got an absolute blockbuster of um, of football to talk about, haven't we? In all seriousness, I mean, we had yeah. the um, the preliminary round of the Les Phillips Cup, which we're gonna which we're gonna come to um, uh, shortly, um, but um, we've had some. Massive games in the uh, in both the first division and the Premier Division over the uh, over the course of the week, and um, I, I want to start off by having a look at Bridgewater Town. They're a side that interests us um, because obviously they, they're new to the league, having come down from the Southern Division. Um, but uh, yeah, we don't know what to expect from them. They've got a l- they've brought a lot of support, as we've talked about in the past. Um, so an interesting side to watch. And they were at home to Shepton Mallet on Tuesday, the twenty second of August.
2: Yeah, and Bridgewater have had it nothing like their own way at the moment. Um, it was a was a another quite a big crowd for them. Um, uh, with goals from uh, Joe Morgan and Elliot Nicholson actually putting them to a 2-1 defeat against Shep de Mallet, who have actually started pretty well, and they are currently ahead of Bridgewater in the table. So, yeah, it's, um, it's interesting stuff. Bridgewater, just two wins from their first side.
1: Another game that caught my eye in the Premier Division on Tuesday was um, Chipping-Sodbury Town. They entertained Melksham um, uh, Town, and um, and they held them, didn't they, Tom?
2: They did. It was a two-all draw. Melksham um, were two goals up quite early on, thanks to Ben Thompson and Gary Higdon. Uh, before the home side hit back uh, either side of half-time with Jack Parker getting them back on uh, back in the game uh, and then Justin Bishop registered the point for them. So a 2 all draw, a uh, pretty good result for Chipping Solbury.
1: Now another side that I've been keeping my eye on, Clevedon Town. They've certainly improved since last season um, and uh, they were away to Longwell Green Sports and they won in emphatic style.
2: They did. Their first league win of the season this was last week uh, and it was a 5-0 win away at Longwell Green as you say. Uh, Dane O'Connor breaking the deadlock after just five minutes uh, with then Isaac Reid and Oli Barnes each adding further goals before the breaks, putting that aside at half-time. And then it was O'Connor and Conor O'Sullivan each scoring after half-time to complete the 5-0 route.
1: Now, we'll dip into the First Division as well. A couple of, uh, couple of games there caught my eye. Carn Town at home to Roman Glass St George. Roman Glass St George, funny team last season, weren't they? Went for long periods without really doing very much at all. Um, beat um, Bristol Manor Farm uh, in the Les Phillips Cup, I believe yeah. it was. And, um, and this season, they seem to be in better form. They, uh, they scored seven on the road.
2: Yeah, not too bad at all, that one. Um, a 7 win, so quite a lot of goals for the crowd there. And it was Ken Oney who was the star man for Roman Glass, a name I've seen pop up quite a bit recently. He's uh, quite a good player at this level, I believe, and he was he was a man who scored the hat-trick. Uh, a 7-2 win, as you say, brilliant for Roman Glass and
1: George. And I'm also pleased to see that um, a podcast recent podcast interview w- with Wincanton Town doesn't appear to have, have derailed um, and their, uh, their good form. They were definitely at the races away at Cheddar. Yeah, a 1-0 win
2: for them uh, last midweek,
1: and it was Daniel Golden who helping them to, uh, to a 1-0 win over Cheddar. Uh, now, we, uh, we, now we turn to... Um, Wednesday, the twenty third of uh, of August. Um, three games in the Premier Division. We're not going to go through all of them, um, uh, as it is with a, with a podcast. We tend to sort of just pick out a few games in the week, and then we go through the full calendar, of course, for the weekend. But one game that really did catch my eye on Wednesday was Will and Rovers against Street. Of course, Street very much um, pre season promotion mm. favourites. Richard Faye did such a wonderful job. Um, last season we can only believe that they've strengthened over the close season seriously ones to watch but um, they came unstuck away against Willand didn't they Tom?
2: Yeah it was two of the top sides last year and uh, it was Willand a 2-0 win for them Uh, Adam Hill and Brett Warby uh, scoring for Street who've, who've come unstuck a bit recently
1: As you know, we like to bring you two interviews every week on the podcast, always with managers, normally one from the First Division and one from the Premier League. Well, this week's going to be slightly different. This week, I interviewed Richard Mellin and Kerry Miller. Now, Kerry is the press and media officer of the Western League, newly appointed, and I spoke with him to tell us a little bit more about his role and his background in sports journalism. But we start off this week's interviews with an interview I did with Richard Mellin. Now, Richard is the Western League's match official observer officer he's the man in charge of the men who are in charge of referees and richard starts off by telling us a little bit about his background in the game
0: my background in the game, I, I came through um, the refereeing ranks in, in the 80s and 90s uh, as a referee from Somerset, uh, and I progressed from the Somerset County League onto the Western League, where I served on the Western League uh, for at least, I think it's somewhere about 16 seasons as a match official. Uh, I came off as a match official due to age at that time, uh, and then um, I took up the position of referee's appointments officer for the league for a couple of seasons, and until that went to the FA at Wembley, uh, and they now do the appointment from there. So my background is uh, sort of very active when I was refereeing, and very much enjoyable. Um, the, the enjoyable factor for me was I came through the Western League system system. system and I I just enjoyed the whole experience and grateful for the opportunity that was given to me through you know coming through that system and uh, I still go back to the clubs nowadays and still welcomed back by all of the clubs that I visited Uh, and it's just such a a community-based idea with the Western League and it's always got that family feel so uh, very privileged to have been there and now I serve the position of Referee's observer officer, because we, we converted from ob, uh, assessors a couple of years ago and we're now known as observers. And um, The appointment came of, about by the retirement of my predecessor uh, and I thought, well, I'd like to get back involved with referee development and although this is not direct referee contact, my role in, involves uh, appointing us observers to the games with uh, the referees on it Bearing in mind my experience of being a match official at uh, Football League level and for 16 years I've been an observer for the Football League. All that time I've just enjoyed exactly what I do and uh, I just can't sort of leave it alone I suppose. And uh, the opportunity came up to help the Western League. I put my um, interest in the hat and uh, got selected to do the job and I now on a regular basis look at appointments of observers to the games to help referees. My, I see my role as helping observers to help referees. So it's uh, it's it's sort of like feeding down the chain. Uh, and obviously, if referees improve, observers improve, the game is better for it, and clubs and players enjoy the game. So it's it's an all round thing that I look at.
1: So Richard, what is the role of the observer when you've made one of those appointments and one of those observers goes out to watch a game in the Western League? What what is their function on a match day?
0: The function on the match date is, is really, um, it's, it's quite straightforward, it's, it's just to make sure that the standards expected are uh, observed by the match official, uh, and the observer's not sent out there to uh, catch the referee out. The referee is out there doing doing his or her job, uh, and the observer is there just to, ob- you know, literally, as it says, observe the standards, the skill sets, uh, application of law, and how the referee actually does uh, the job on the day, uh, and looking at... Um, issues with, with refereeing, we're always looking at better positioning, better decision making uh, and better skill sets and management of the game management of the players so there's a, there's a lot to be considered in terms of um, you know where we try to set it out but uh, the observer's role is to make sure that the standards are protected and the image of the game is looked after.
1: Now you mentioned there the application of law and one thing that football fans are very conscious of is the uh, the, the new uh, edicts or maybe they're not so new um, that come out of the Beginning of every season, certainly in the professional game, we hear that referees will be clamping down on a certain aspect, be it um, um, the, the, uh, the behaviour towards the match officials um, or diving. One of these things, indeed, actually, we know that sin bins have been introduced for the first time this season in many leagues. Um, so, what are the new features? What are the areas that um, fans should be looking out for that match officials will be focusing on this season?
0: Okay, um, it's interesting that you mentioned the sin bins. Um... The Sinbin is being um, piloted at grassroots and of the hundred... 130 plus leagues around the country. 32 were selected for uh, piloting the Simbin idea, but the Station Western League and the Gloucester County League uh, were not selected, or uh, you know, not going to be taking up that option because they they're using it at grassroots, and grassroots really is like where I come from, Taunton and District League level, or Western Supermare uh, Saturday League, or Mid Somerset that sort of um, level, and so consequently, that's where the Simbin is being piloted and tested at this moment in time. As regards the changes this year, we, we had a meeting with our referees uh, about three, four weeks ago, just on the start of the season. It was a Wednesday night at the Gloucestershire FA. Uh, and we, we called the referees in. The leagues made their address to the, to the match officials. Uh, and then I, I, I made an address to the match officials. Uh, and we covered uh, law changes. The the law changes this year are, are quite, quite quite straightforward to be honest. Um, what what we particularly want to look at, and this isn't a law change, but we wanted a um, a better a, a better working relationship from the clubs the managers and, the, and with the referees uh, and we looked at areas like the technical areas uh, and the technical area, the benches or the dugouts, whichever people wish to call it uh, and we wanted sort of uh, a better level of control from our match officials and um, when I say a better level of control I don't mean that they have to be removed, they have to be sent to the stand or sent to the changing runs uh, and take no further part we, we want a better understanding of what the referee is trying to do and we want the referee to understand the frustrations of the manager and so consequently we're looking for the skills to be better than what they currently are the management skills of people to be better what they are everybody knows what what happens if someone steps out of line it's a yellow card for a substitute or maybe a red card for a manager type of thing We're, we're not looking that to be the ultimate answer. We, d- we don't necessarily want that. We want our match officials to have better skill sets to manage a situation and stop it from escalating from a question into an argument, into offensive language, which will then see the individual removed from the technical area so we're trying to improve the profile of the game through better management and skill sets and and that was something that the both of the leagues uh, endorsed uh, and uh, that's something that we're working on and hopefully we will see some improvement uh, of management by the referee uh, and uh, respectful um, observations from the technical areas and the managers
1: One of the reasons I was very keen on getting you onto the podcast is because I'm very conscious of the fact that referees... And, and assistant referees are that, that there is a level of humanity about what you do which perhaps is lost. Part of the great theatre of the game, particularly for those of us in the crowd, the paying public, is we do like to berate um, the, uh, the referee. You are the pantomime baddie. It's part of your role and I suppose one of the things about whether you're refereeing in the Barclays Premier League or whether you're refereeing in the Tall Station Premier League, the referee has to recognise that that's part of the role that they, that they fulfil. But but, but you are only human, uh, after all, and there are um, we, we wouldn't have the game that we love without you. So um, what, h- how would you characterise um, uh, your relationship with the crowd? Do you want to take this opportunity to get a message out there to the listeners of the podcast who watch many games around the Western League and perhaps give your referees perhaps sometimes too hard a time?
0: Um, yeah, I, th- I think you pretty well summarised it really well, Ian, by saying pantomime baddie because... Yeah, we, we do come across that at times, obviously. Um, and, you know, and after all, we are human. I think that's a recent song by the Rag and Bone Man. So, you know, there are relevant things here that uh, you've already mentioned. And, uh, and, like I say, if, if we want people to, um, what can I say, understand refereeing, try to understand why a referee might have got it wrong. He, a referee. He or she does not want to make mistakes. I I can guarantee you that. And that's the human side of anything. None of us want to make mistakes in life. Uh, But we do. uh, And that's how it is. So it's, it's how a referee will deal with the mistake. If that's the case, then they, you know, we say to them, keep a clear head, park your mistake. If you think it's a mistake, don't dwell on it, because if you dwell on the mistake that has just happened, you'll miss another challenge, which could be another mistake. And so consequently, you have an escalation of errors, uh, which is what we we try to uh, ask our match officials to avoid um, by dwelling on something that happened uh, in the past, and focus on the next challenge, the next uh, uh, piece of phase of play. You know, so that's how it is really. Uh, and you know, if, if a referee has not got it right, I'm not asking our, our, our spectators and the, and the people that go watching to you know tell the referees out of position. But um, you know, someone as an observer will be doing that but just try to understand a little bit of why uh, a referee might have got the decision wrong or has made a decision that they don't agree with, because arguably, you know, uh, decision-making is is generally very, very good, uh, in my opinion. Uh, and like I say, when I go along as an observer for the Football League or wherever I may go, um, I don't see poor decision-making, but I see decision-making that could be slightly different or better in some cases. Uh, And, uh, you know, uh, I just ask people to sort of try to understand what we're trying to do. We do love the game. We are football nut. We are football nutcases just because we couldn't play at a decent level doesn't mean to say that we can't referee at a decent level and that's really what it comes down to
1: Richard that's a wonderful segue into what was going to be my last question because one of the great things about non-league football and grassroots football in particular is it brings those who love the game a lot closer into the game. Now some people might never be decent players but they might like to become club administrators, they might like to write the programme and they might like to write the match reports or in my case they might even like to do a podcast but actually some people who love the game of football love to be referees and if there's anybody out there, particularly players, coming to the end of their playing careers who perhaps might consider becoming a match official, what would be your advice to them? How can they start that process? for me,
0: first and foremost, if I use my own personal experience, I stopped playing when I was 28. Uh, I fell out of love of playing, uh, and probably it was might have been something to do with tackles started hurting me, uh, and things like that. But I, I just say to players, if you're enjoying playing, then play. But you know, if you're thinking of coming out of the game, why not give refereeing a try? Contact the local... Uh, everybody knows a referee, and every referee knows who the, the referee development officer is for that county. Uh, you know, Matt Eva is uh, the referee county officer for Somerset, Kevin Small for Wiltshire, Kevin Pike for Dorset, Roger Vaughan for Gloucestershire, Jason Haywood for Devon. I mean, I, I know them all, because I'd say I've worked with the guys, and the... the, the remaining involved is, is a big thing that I, I don't regret in, in my career. I mean, I've, I've played football all my life, um, now refereed, and now observing. You know, I'm so grateful for all the friendships I've ever made uh, in football. And there are, there are very, you know, there are moments when you just want to chuck the whistle in the bin and say, that's enough for me. But, the amount of games you come off of, and you get a self-satisfaction that you've made a contribution to a decent game of football. Everybody appears to enjoy it. Not you're never going to get everybody come off and have 22, 20, 25, 26 handshakes. You know that will take time. But you go into the clubhouse. You have, you have a bit of a social. You have a quick drink, uh, and you leave the club. And it, you know you leave it there until another day. The the whole ethos of just being involved is just so such a social thing Uh, and and like I say I can travel most places across the south of the country uh, and I'll I'll be remembered uh, as a referee and when you walk in they say to you oh yeah I remember when you were refereeing for us you were pretty good well they never told me that at the time but you know what I mean you you know what I mean they never tell you you're a good referee at the time but after your career's finished they come back and say yeah you weren't bad yeah you were okay like you know so like I say I just say if a player is coming to the end of his, his or her career Give it a go. It's, it's not everybody's cup of tea, you know, um, but, it, you know, it does keep you involved. Uh, and as, as I found out, my, my level of personal fitness was retained until I was 46, 47 years old. And I got to levels of fitness at that age, which I never was at, at, when in my playing time, you know, because it just changes you.
1: Uh, we will now turn our attention to the uh, Les Phillips Cup. So these are the matches that took place on Saturday, the 26th of August, and um, we start with Bitten at home to Welton Rovers.
2: Yeah, now one of the sides to find to their, their shooting boots on Saturday. A lot of goals, no nil nils. We're happy to report, uh, and it was a four 0 win for Bitten. Uh, goals from Dean Griffiths, Adam Mardy, Tom Knighton, and Callum Baker. Uh, a comfortable four 0 win at the uh,
1: Rapid's ground for them. One of the interesting things I saw on um, on Twitter, because you may remember last week I... I said that Welton Rovers' Twitter feed is certainly one to watch. But one of the interesting I saw on Twitter is that um, they had a crowd of 50 for that um, Les Phillips game at, at, at Bitten, but um, well over half, I think, had come from um, um, from Midsummer Norton. So uh, we doth our cap to them. And, and Bitten, you know, they were certainly one of the sides that I had pegged to uh, to watch at the beginning of the season. Obviously, going very well now in the uh, in the Les Phillips Cup. So hopefully, they'll be able to get slightly bigger gates. And um, we had fantastic gates in the mid week, Tom. The games that we were talking about, regularly three figures. Um, but um, yeah, the Les Phillips, unfortunately, didn't quite strike the imagination, although there was a healthy crowd and um, for Bridport against Keynesham Town.
2: Yeah, and they were treated to seven goals and, and, and an incredible fight back. Uh, Bridport eventually running out 5-2 winners, uh, but it was Keynesham who uh, shot out the block. Two goals up inside eight minutes, thanks to Stephen Lee and Taron Williams. Uh, but Bridport were... <laughs> Quite um, quite amazingly, back back on level terms after just 12 minutes. So, four minutes for them to grab their uh, two goals with Leighton Thomas and uh, Cameron Nevere slamming home from the corner. So, yeah, two all after 12 minutes. Uh, and that was how it stayed until half time. And then uh, in the 16 minutes, uh, just after half time, a hat trick was uh, smashed home uh, from Lee Bailey, a midfielder. So, quite uh, unexpected. Uh, but, yeah, he scored three times in the space of uh, a quarter hour just after half time. And it was fired uh, Bridport to a 5 2 win.
1: Well, another side-scoring five in the Les Phillips was Cadbury Heath, and, um, and they, uh, they put poor old Bishop Sutton to the sword.
2: Yeah, finding their goal-scoring muscle, which is good to see for, for the Heath fans, and it was Sam Bailey, Ali Bamford, uh, last-season top-scorer Matt Huxley, Christian Lee, and then late on Andy Campbell uh, adding a fifth, uh, and a pretty convincing win for them.
1: Now, something of a rarity, we've got an away win, but uh, mm-hmm. probably not too surprising, as no. um Karn Town came unstuck at home um, to the mighty Bradford Town.
2: Yeah, and it was Sam Jordan uh, grabbing the first of the hat-tricks um, uh, of this season uh, in a 4-2 win for Bradford, as you say, uh, and then Anthony Conradi coming off the bench quite late on to add a fourth, uh, Bradford have fruited the next
1: round. Anthony Conradi, listeners. Now there's a name to remember. Um, if he's in goal-scoring form, I think we can expect good things of him. Because when he's when he's when he's on form, when he's hot, he really does bang him away. Now then, Chippenham Park. They were at home to Longwell Green Sports.
2: Yeah, and it was Chippenham Park uh, put, put, put behind their uh, recent league form. Anyway, um, with a 2-1 win, only 30 fans there, unfortunately. Uh, so they're through to the next round. It was Lewis McCarran and uh, Paul Gittins uh, scoring. Uh, for them, but obviously defeating higher-ranked opposition um, in, in the form of Longwell Green, who actually had Nathan Hughes to thank for their goal. So uh, their, their lead, Les Phillips, uh, run has come to an end at the first hurdle, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Clevedon Town, Tom. They won again, this time at home to Wincanton Town.
2: Yeah, and it was Isaac Reid who we just mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, and he was on the score sheet once more. Uh, him and Glen Hay are both scoring in the, the space of nine second-half minutes and uh, pushing Clevedon to a 2-1 win at home to Wincanton.
1: And Hallen, they were at home to Radstock Town.
2: Yeah, an entertaining game there. Uh, and it was uh, goals from Aaron Anglin, Jack Mills and Tom Collett who, uh, who, who helped Hallen to the win and they went quite went ahead quite early on. Uh, Collett just scoring after the break to, to push them ahead and it was uh, they managed to hold on uh, despite a late comeback from Radstock.
1: Hengrove Athletic. Mm. Uh, now, I, you, you, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not sure they've managed to win this season yet, Tom.
2: I will have to double check. I don't think they have. Um, no, that, that, unless they got one in the FA Cup, which I can't
1: remember. We'll get our best minds on that one. But um, um, they were at home to Almondsbury UI. Yeah. and uh, yeah, they they uh, they uh, came off second best again. It
2: is pretty pretty stunning result. That uh, Almondsbury are struggling themselves in the first division, uh, going away from home uh, and claiming the three two win over the last year's first uh, division darlings, uh, Hengrove. And it was goals from Alex Biss, Jack Dempsey, and Greg Gregparth, sorry, helping them
1: to the three-two win. We, we've just had confirmation come through from our um, um, from our from our number crunchers that actually Hengrove have managed to win this season. You you were right when you said it might come in the FA Cup. It did. It was their very first game, and it was against their uh, their old First Division foes, um, Wellington. But um, yes, oh, yeah. our, our, since then they they're still too. Uh, They're still to get a a win since then and and hopefully they'll be able to turn that round because they they, they really were ones to watch last season. Mm. Anyway, they haven't got the Les Phillips Cup to worry about anymore. That's one positive.
2: Hopefully September's a bit more fruitful for
1: them. Um, Now then, Malmesbury-Victoria, they were at home to Bishop's Lydiard. Yeah,
2: and Malmesbury are out, unfortunately. A 4-2 loss at home, um, Bishop's Lydiard, and it was uh, another hat-trick hero this form. This time uh, it was Charlie Wilson. And Luke Redruff also score a for Bishop Sladeer, who had Palmstone red carded uh, after 55 minutes. And they were 4-0 up at that stage uh, before Malmesbury fought. Fortunately, a small fight back, but it wasn't enough. And uh, Bishop Sladeer to her through to the next round.
1: And uh, we must give a quick uh, name check to Kev Bridgman, the manager uh-huh. of um, of Malmesbury. He's been in touch with us, isn't he, Tom? Over on uh, on on Twitter. I think we were looking for some more information following last week's podcast um, about scorers and the like. And uh, and uh, Kev's been in touch and and, uh, and and passed that information on. And he's uh, made himself available for uh, for more if uh, if we need it. So thank you very much for that, Kev. Nice to know you listen. And perhaps uh, next time. Um, uh, you'll be listening to a, uh, a, a more a more positive uh, <laughs> re- report. Anyway, Roman Glass St George scored seven in the week. I think that they yeah. uh, I think the tank ran dry against Chard, didn't it? It seems like it. Um, a
2: two 0 loss at home, and so they won't have to concentrate on the uh, uh, the league cup this season. Uh, and uh, Chard Town have actually struggled in the in the league, so they put their frustrations behind them somewhat. And it was two late goals for them, two in the last 15 minutes uh, from Andy Holmes and healthy Ben for them uh, to fire them through to the next round.
1: Now then, we move to the Premier Division, and um, we start with Buckland Athletic against mm. Brislington.
2: Yeah, the early pace set, five wins from five for Buckland, obviously a strong strong showing last season, uh, and a 4-1 win this weekend over over Brislington. Um, after falling behind in the sixth minute, in fact, um, to a Jared Lewington header, uh, Brislington managed to get back on, on level terms, um, but it it didn't last long, and uh, just before half-time, they were back behind, uh, with Richard Groves firing on the penalty uh, to put Buckland 2-1 up a break. Uh, they then dominated the second half. So, with Groves and Lewington adding another goal uh, to take the tally to two for the match, uh, with Jason Hughes of Bridgerton being sent off quite late on. So another big win for Buckland.
1: Now, chipping Sudbury Town, they entertained Will and Rovers, and, of course, this was a Will and Rovers side that in the week had had defeated Street.
2: Mm, and William Rovers kept up that, that winning streak and uh, made it a 3-0 win uh, away at chidding uh, And a pair of headers from uh, James Blake uh, helping them to the win.
1: Cribs, they were at home to Wellington.
2: Yeah, and Cribs survived a, a, a quite an early sending off in this one to win 1-0. Uh, home to Wellington, who've obviously had their struggles to start the season, and it was Charlie Alden who's had a good start to the season. Uh, he bagged the only goal in this one for Cribs.
1: Now then, Melksham Town, mm. at home to Shepton Mallet. And last season I can remember interviewing Darren Perrin uh, Ahead of uh, this fixture And he was telling me that Shepton are something of a bogey team And that they would beaten oh. Melksham down at Shepton And Shepton had had a bit of an indifferent season you know, In and out of form When we'd interviewed their manager He'd explained that um, a lot of it had been down to injuries And player availability Well they must have had a strong side When they went to um, Oakfields um, uh, on, uh, on Saturday Tom
2: Indeed, and it was a lot of late drama there. Uh, it was nil-nil going into the final 10 minutes uh, and before Tyler Civic, on his debut from Elksham, uh, scored and opened, opened the scoring, uh, putting them 1-0 up. Uh, but the visitors managed to turn the game around in, in quick succession, scoring five minutes from time first of all through Craig Loxton, and then two minutes later they managed to steal all three points with Cameron Sandford, uh, firing an effort through a crowd of players to, uh, to, to give them their second win of the week.
1: Well... If you think that's madness, then get a load of this. Um, Street against Odd Down. So Street defeated in the week against Willand at home to Odd Down. Of course, we know how good Odd Down are, and I mean you in particular, Tom. But um, well, another reverse.
2: Yeah, Odd Down up to fifth following this two-one win uh, away at Street, and it's that man Acer White scored the winner in midweek uh, against Hengrove uh, against the former side, obviously, and he's he's continued that goal-scoring form onto the weekend, scoring twice. Uh, either side of half-time in a 2-1 win away at Street. Terrific start for Odddown.
1: And finally in the Premier Division, Wells City at home to Bridgewater Town.
2: Yeah, Bridgewater's second win, win of the season. Uh, a 3-0 win away at Wales. Uh, pretty comprehensive. Uh, an early own goal certainly uh, on their way. Uh, and then it was Sid Camper uh, who actually assisted the, the own goal early on, uh, who made it 2-0 in the 20th minute. And then the same man added a, a goal midway through the second half uh, to complete the scoring, 3-0 for Bridgewater.
1: Right now, we move down into the First Division, and Ashton and Backwell take on Warminster Town.
2: Uh, Yeah, not a a too promising crowd there, but Ashton have struggled to to start the season, but hopefully this win, uh, a 1-0 win at home to Warminster, who have have started well, so uh, maybe a surprise result somewhat. uh, But Ryan Crouch's goal uh, helped Ashton Backwell to their first win of the season and and a 1-0 win.
1: Now then, Tom, could Cheddar hold the phones?
2: no in simple terms a 4-2 loss uh, and bristol telephone's doing what uh, Buckland uh, in the first in the sorry in the premier division uh, perfect start continues uh, leon britton uh, has scored another one uh, the his tally for the season uh, but the day belonged to Darnie golding uh, who scored a hat trick for the phones uh, against the cheddar side who were actually level at half time uh, but had joe grant sent off uh, so that really did help bristol telephone to who romped home to a 4-2 win
1: Corsham Town, they were at home to Sherbourne Town.
2: Yeah, and Sherbourne, like Ashton, uh, capturing their first win of the season. And it was substitute Dave Smith scoring a late winner uh, in a 1 0 win away at Corsham.
1: And Oldland Abertonians, they were at home to Devizes Town.
2: Yeah, and their promising start, older than that, is uh, continued. A 2 1 win at home to Devises, uh, with both goals coming from Danny Carter, uh, and a 2 1 win.
1: Well, I think we might have saved the best till last. Mm. Um, not if you're a Portishead town fan, that, would, uh, that, that is, but no. um, Westbury United on their travels to Portishead, and it's a monster scoreline. Yeah,
2: the biggest league win of the day, obviously. Uh, a 6-0 win for, for Westbury. Uh, Mark Robinson scoring twice uh, with server goals from Jamie Jordan, Martin Johnson, uh, Josh Ferguson, there was also a known goal in there, uh, but Westbury, a really, really promising start. They are second, they're just a point behind Bristol Pellet at this early stage, uh, but... Um, Yeah, very, 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 very big win for
1: them. Massive. We'll now have a look at the matches coming up this week, um, of course, um, starting on Tuesday, the 29th of August. And, Tom, do you want to take us through the Premier Division?
2: Of course, yeah. So we've got Bitten versus Cadbury Heath at at 7.30 on Tuesday evening. Uh, we then got Bridgewater. uh, They take on Bridgeport, that's at 7.45. We've got Longwell Green Sports versus Milksham Town, who we want to uh, forget Saturday's uh, result quite quickly. That's a 7.30 kickoff. Uh, Obdown have to continue their good form. They host Brislington at 7.45. and two 7.30 kickoffs we've got Street, who've obviously had a, a, a tough week. They host runaway leaders, Buckland. Uh, and then we've got Wells City versus Willow So, a pretty entertaining Tuesday night that fixed in the Premier Division.
1: So, looking at the first division, uh, all of these kickoffs are 7.30. And we start with Bishop Sutton against Bishop's Lydiard. Cheddar are at home to Keynesham Town. Chippenham Park play Warminster Town. Devizes Town take on Calm Town. There's a Wiltshire derby for you, and Wincanton Town take on Portishead. Now moving into Wednesday, um, August the 30th. Tom, three games in the Premier Division. Do you want to run us through those?
2: Yeah, all 7:30 kickoffs on Wednesday evening. Uh, we start with Bradford uh, taking on Chippenford Town. Uh, we've got Clevedon Town versus Hallam, Hengrove Athletic versus Cribs and then down in the First Division, uh, we've got Oldland versus Ashton. Uh, we've got Sherbourne versus Chard, and then we've also got Westbury United versus Almondsbury.
1: Now then, on Saturday, uh, the 2nd of September, and um, we are back in FA Cup action. Mm. It's, uh, it's getting interesting, isn't it, because we're in the first qualifying round now, yes. and uh, we've got some interesting match-ups. We do.
2: We've got five teams left, uh, Tall Station League sides. So we've got Cadbury Heath, they travel to take on Andover Town. That's quite a, quite a long-distance tr- travel for them, but that should be good. Uh, we've got Bridport, they host Barnstable Town. Uh, Gosport Borough, uh, recently in the, uh, the Blue Square League, they take on Bridgewater Town. Uh, Town, they, they will host our Willem Grovers. And then finally, Odd Down, who obviously could start the season, they host Weymouth. So there's uh, five matches in the uh, FA Cup first qualifying round.
1: Uh, now, we, uh, we move into the um, Premier Division um, uh, f- uh, fixtures for Saturday, and we, we start with an absolute cracker. Uh-huh. It's Buckland Athletic against Melksham Town. Um, Chipping, Sodbury Town play Brislington. Cribs take on Wells, Halland take on Street, Hengrove are at home to Wellington, so something's got to give there, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, Shepton Mallet, uh, they are at home to Bradford Town. And do you want to wrap up the First Division fixtures for Saturday, Tom?
2: Of course, yeah. It uh, looks like a pretty much a full, full set of fixtures in the First Division on Saturday. We've got Ashton and Bat-Qua United versus Calm Town, uh, Bishop's Villiad hope to end Bristol Telephones uh, winning start to the season, we've got Chippenham Park versus Welton Rovers, Caution Town versus Wincanton Town, Cheddar travel to take on Malmesbury. Uh, we've got Oldland versus Chard, Portishead versus Sherborne. Uh, Radstock will host Almondsbury. We've got glass and George uh, versus Westbury United, and finally Bishop Sutton. They travel to take on Wormsley
1: And Tom, as I always do, um, if we look back over the upcoming fixtures, anything there take your eye?
2: I think Tuesday night's game. Uh, we got Street, who obviously had the two defeats that so we don't want to keep harping on about them, but. Uh, They have and they host uh, Buckland as we mentioned. uh, Five wins from five. So uh, Street, we know they've got the firepower to to end Buckland's winning start but it will be interesting to see whether that that can take place. And that's Tuesday night 6 to that. I'm looking forward to, to catching up on.
1: Well, I'll, I'll see you a Tuesday night fixture featuring Buckland and I'll raise you a Saturday afternoon fixture featuring Buckland because um, um, the one that catches my eye... Of course, you're right to call out that, uh, that street game. Of course you are. But um, um, Buckland Athletic at home to Melksham Town. I believe this time last season, Melksham won away at Buckland. Um, So it would be very interesting to see if they can manage that feed again. But after a couple of wobbly uh, results, um, the the Melchon bandwagon will be looking to get um, back up and running. And frankly, they'll really need to get something from from Buckland um, if they don't want too much daylight to be um, between them, even at this early stage of the season. On that note, um, I would... Normally, have a look at the, um, uh, the the tables with you, Tom. But um, as a, as a point of principle, I can't possibly bring myself to have a look at the league tables until at least September. <laughs> you've you've <laughs> got. You've got a week to impress upon me the importance of early tables. But um, um, I was going to quote Arsene Wenger. Um, but yeah, given, given how he's been getting on this season, I, I yeah, don't I think I will. will. But, but I think that it's all too changeable. Although, because of the fixture gods, um, we right. have had quite a few uh, on the board. But I think what we'll do is we'll hold fire from getting too carried away about where teams are um, until we've, uh, we've got through the month of August. Um, now, I've got a little treat for you, Tom, because last week... Um, I caught up with the Toolstation Western League's new media officer, um, Kerry Miller. Um, He'll be familiar to many of the listeners, I'm sure, many of the clubs, because he's been um, covering matches in the Western League for many years, and he's uh, already started his new role with um, enthusiasm, um, writing a number of match reports that have appeared in your bulletin, of course, Tom. Um, But um, I caught up with Kerry, and we had a chat not just about... Um, his uh, his role in the in the Western League, his new role as media officer, but also his uh, his background in uh, in sports journalism.
3: I first started uh, when I was connected at Caenham Town, uh, which would have been around twenty five years ago. Um, Chris Selway was the manager then, and I can't remember how I knew Chris, but he asked me if I would. Um, Come to the club and just do uh, um, knock up the programs as program editor, which I did for a season when he was there. And one evening while I was there, I met a guy called uh, James Wright, who is now heavily involved in the uh, non league paper. He does all the fixtures, results, and tables. And uh, he asked me if I would be interested. In doing some uh, pieces for Team Talk magazine And um, so I said yes, I would do that um, Because it was a hobby, I enjoyed writing And um, I did that And uh, a short while later we, we became friends very quickly And started watching football together And there became a position um, down in down here in North Curry um, On the magazine, full time uh, which they offered me, and um, that uh, it's snowballed from there. But as well as your your
1: role in the uh, in newspapers and magazines, you also are an author,
3: aren't you? Yes. It. Um... While uh, before I moved down, I had the idea that I wanted to write a book because I was fascinated by. Uh, I'm fascinated by social history anyway and industrial history. I'm forever walking around, or I used to be when I was a bit more mobile, walking around old railway stations and factories and things like that. And I was always wanted to find out about stuff. And as I was um, so interested in in non-league football. Um, I'd gone to an awful lot of grounds and some of some of them were just fascinating places for example Melkshams, uh, old ground at the Coniger, Clevedon's old ground at Tynmouth Road places like that and I just wanted to know more about it and I had a I had an idea um, because I, I love the FA Cup I had a uh, a pretty wild idea that I would try and find out if I if I could um, make a complete inventory of every ground that's ever staged an FA Cup tie of any description. The, um, the, there's hundreds of them, but I thought, well, it's not impossible. Um, and so I thought that I went to Tony Williams at um, Time Team, Team Talk, sorry, <laughs> at, uh, and, I, and I told him about this um, idea that I'd been working on And um, he said he would publish it. Um, And so I began, but it very soon became obvious because the uh, the FA archives are chaotic and um, some of the old results were sort of written in pencil on bits of paper that had been screwed up and shoved in boxes. Um, And I very quickly gave up that idea. Um, And I switched to um, the idea of... Writing history of non league football grounds. Um, and that's how that developed. Um, unfortunately, the um, magazine work um, very quickly dissolved because of financial problems. So I was sort of thrown, uh, thrown out on the limb, really. And so I looked around and I got a uh, publishing deal with a company in Leicestershire who went all out as people have seen the history of non-league football grounds will know is in full color and 20 odd years ago it cost 40 odd grand to pub uh, to print so they 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 trusted me to to um, put that together and it was a success and um, that's how I got into um, sort of full-time journalism because when that book was um, reviewed in the independent, the the national independent, um, I was able to send the review to a newspaper, uh, to the Somerset Standard and Guardian, back in, I think it was probably about 97, when they were looking to to get the paper back up and running again. And um, the editor, whose name, bless him, uh, David Summers, who now uh, is quite high up in Northamptonshire papers, um, gave me the job on the spec of um, the review of the book and um, so there I was sports editor for the Somerset Stand and Guardian and my area was Radstock Town, Welton Rovers, Porton Rovers, Froome Town and all the Somerset Senior League sides as it was then and uh, I loved every second of it. So you've written about football grounds, you've written about football matches, you've now taken
1: on the role of press and media officer for the for the Western League. And what's the remit? What are, what, what, what should the listeners be looking out for that you're um, bringing um,
3: to uh, to the role? Well, John uh, Chairman John Paul, I've known for thirty odd years. Um, we had uh, two long discussions with other other members of the board, and um, they want me to. Uh, they want me to get behind as much as I can, the the member clubs, the the league itself, and just promote as much as I can, uh, and encourage people to come to, to come to grounds, <coughs> encourage uh, uh, companies to sponsor clubs, um, and if we the, the more publicity that I can get for our 42 member clubs, um, then the better it will be for everybody, because. Um, it's it's not difficult to get. It's not difficult to get the information out to people. And my remit is is to go out to every every Western League game I watch. I will do a match report, and it will be quite substantial. It won't be one hundred and fifty words. Um, it will be a um, if the stories behind the game. Then I'll find them I will uh, Whenever I can I will find Manager Or the chairman Or the commercial manager And have a chat Before the game um, To find out What's going on Behind the scenes And I'll write about it It's what I've been doing For sort of 20 odd years And um, John knows that And um, His remit was Do that um, You know You've got carte blanche Pretty much go where you like Where the stories are um, I'm also, every every match report that I do, I send it to both the relevant or, or more than one uh, uh, newspapers. Um, for example, on Saturday, it was at Barnst- the FA Cup tie, Barnstable uh, versus Clevedon. Um, so I sent the match report to the Western and Clevedon Mercury. And that's what I intend to do. And... Um, as far as um, as far as I know, it's going very well because all the match reports are on the on the website, and um, whenever I can, I can get pictures to put on the website as well, photographs, and um, it will go from there. I mean, do you pick and choose the games you go to, or are you available on request? Um, both, um, because I'm based here in East Ling, which is pretty much in the centre of of the Western League area. Um, I look at the fixtures for for the for, for the following week, and I will pick initially. I will pick what looks like the best fixture or the one where I'll get the most out of it, um, as far as stories are concerned. Um, as as, uh, as far as the importance of the matches, it won't necessarily just be a, uh, a league tie. Um, for example, I'm. I'm torn on Saturday between going to either Chipnam Park or Malmesbury, because they've both got League Cup ties. Um, I've not been to either place for a long time, um, and I'd like to go up there. And so I will look at the fixtures and just pick out, you know, probably what's the most interesting one. But if somebody phones me and says, I've got a story, or well, we're doing something or other, we're playing so and so tomorrow, would you like to come along? I will be there.
1: When we were speaking before, we 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 spoke about Bob Allard, who I know does. Um, um, what, uh match reports for Weldon Rovers Um, but not every club is fortunate enough to have somebody who has that skill set and um, it might be that an opportunity to get a match report would give them welcome publicity in their local paper. The other thing is that there might be people out there, particularly younger people who are involved in clubs who are eager to um, get more involved and perhaps write a match report. Clearly you've got a wealth of professional experience and it could be that uh, uh, that that experience would be very useful. I mean are you happy to sort of take to you know, to provide Q and A services for those people who perhaps want to tweak their match reports, perhaps want to make them a little bit better, see if they can get
3: more coverage in the local paper. Yeah, I'm I'm always eager to do that. That that can happen. Um, I'm uh, I'm very um, happy whenever I come across somebody else that's doing uh, doing match reports or or he is in some way connected to a club press wise because there's very few of them about, and there's even less even fewer rather that, that are of a young age they, they, the, the few people that are still doing match reports for local papers and that tend to be my age or older um, and uh, so yeah I'm, I'm more than happy if, if anybody wants any information or just wants to sort of off the record come to me and say you know how's this or how's that yeah I'm, I'm always here What's the best way of getting in touch with you? Um, I, my email address is very easy. It's kerrymiller100 at hotmail.com. Um, Kerry with a K. Um, my mobile number is available and, um, or you can get th- get me through the website. Um, I'm pretty much always available. I very rarely, um, am offline. Um, so contact me and if you need anything and I can provide it or I can help in any way, I certainly will.
1: Well, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you found it informative. And um, uh, Kerry and I uh, had a great chat, actually, uh, in, his, in his home. He welcomed me into his home. And we had a chat around a number of things um, uh, to do with football, to do with grassroots football, refereeing, for one. Uh, and uh, a fascinating conversation. The full interview would make this podcast a, um, a motion picture. So um, um, I've, I've, I gave you the edited highlights, but the full interview is available to listen um, on social media, and uh, I'm sure there will be... Um, a, a link and a promotion through the the Toolstation Western League site and through the Facebook page and through Twitter as well. So um, if you're interested in hearing what Kerry's got to say about a number of issues, then um, then please um, then please access um, that fantastic interview. It was, it was a wonderful time uh, I spent with him. Now, Tom, as always, thank you very much indeed for your um, for your time today. Um, you of course have penned the uh, of the the bulletin, which is um, which we, we we hope will be out soon.
2: Available along one of the tabs on top. Um, so, yeah, looking back on the the, what, the fifth week of action, should we call it? Yeah, podcast five, so that was the bulletin five. So, yeah, looking back on, on last week's action.
1: And of course, you've also penned your article in the non league paper as well.
2: Yeah, the Premier Division roundup, looking mainly at Buckman's big win uh, and their an impressive start to the season, but that's in there, yeah.
1: Well, Tom, if we had a lot of football to talk about this week, we've got an awful lot of football to talk about next week, haven't you? Some absolutely monster ties, not only in the FA Cup, and let's keep our fingers crossed for our member yep. sides in that competition, but also some real big boys coming together in the, uh, uh, in the Premier Division. So that, um, uh, that's really exciting. So, um, well, um, for another week, it's been, uh, it's been Tom and Ian on the Tool Station Western League podcast.